everybody. I'm Bree. Welcome to the Chocolate Bar. Our lives, our strength, our time. We are back again. I'm so excited this evening. Um, we're going to talk about some really interesting and timely things um, with our guest this evening. So thank you for coming back. Um, there were several reasons why I wanted to chit chat with this young lady. Um, partly because she's a badass powerlifter and partly because of um, what she does outside of powerlifting, which I thought was um, something valuable that would be of interest to not only myself and our listeners. So I'm going to let her introduce herself and let her tell us who she is and what she does. Hello, everyone, and thank you, Bree, again for having me. My name is Erica Lamb. I am a registered dietitian, and I am also a USA Powerlifting 84-kilogram powerlifter. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> Welcome. And you just are coming off a competition, right? Yes. Ooh, um, this past Saturday. Yes, thank you. Yay. Well, I definitely want to hear more about that this evening. Um, but like I said, that I definitely wanted to chit chat with you about um, a variety of things. But I guess, you know, I always like to start asking, um, asking my guests the question, um, did you find powerlifting or did it find you? Powerlifting definitely found me. Mm -hmm. um, I had a good friend who was working at the UFIT I was training at at the time, and she was already on Florida International University's powerlifting team, which is where I was going to school. Mm -hmm. And she taught me how to sumo deadlift. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. I was already lifting weights, you know, in a bodybuilding type style right. to, to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And then she challenged me to do a fundraiser that the team did called Strongest Panther. Mm -hmm. And I went to the Strongest Panther competition and I won. Oh, and wow. Okay. It was history start. from there. <laughs> yeah, it was history from there. From then, we had our first competition. Well, my first competition with the team was mm -hmm. uh, Florida Collegiate States. Mm-hmm. So that's how it all started for me. So it definitely found me. I was not looking for it. <laughs> and we're, we are so happy it did find you. Um, so you mentioned you went to um, Florida International University. Are you from Florida? Yes, I am born and raised in the 305 Miami, Florida. Okay, represent, represent. Um, so talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, we talked about how you sort of found powerlifting and you mentioned previous to that. Um, you were doing a little bit more of a bodybuilding type of workout, like growing up, um, you know, were you athletic Were you, you know, like what did your growing up years look like with respect to, um, athletic or athletics or sports or, um, fitness? I was definitely the most inactive child on the face mm -hmm. of the planet. Um, I was very overweight as a child. I actually mm -hmm. struggled with childhood obesity up until I was 21 years old when I decided, you know, enough was enough. Mm -hmm. But I was raised by my grandmother who wanted to protect us at all costs. So going mm -hmm. outside really wasn't a thing. Right. You know, she, she did as much as she could to keep us inside the house because she, she wanted to protect us. It, you know, it's a lot of crazy stuff going on and we didn't live in the best neighborhood mm -hmm. so it was hard mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so you spent a lot of time indoors yes and uh, you know at one point I, I told you that I, I used food as an escape as a kid which I didn't realize I was doing of course until I was an adult you know right right um I have a mother who was a recovered alcoholic and mm -hmm. a big portion of my childhood was you know seeing her out acting out Right. And right. I felt like the one thing that I had control over was what I could put in my mouth. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether that be sneaking food in the middle of the night, sneaking mm-hmm. food when I'm outside the house, you know, right. whatever, whatever means I had, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can imagine just given that and kind of given all of the turmoil and things you were going through um, when you were younger, like how I imagine that had some effect on, on your self-esteem, how you saw yourself, how you saw your body. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that? You know, I really, I hated myself for a long time, Bree, and I won't, mm-hmm. I will be completely honest about that because I want other teenagers or kids or right even adults that are still trying to recover from those scars of childhood to understand that you can recover from it, even though it seems like you can't. But I did, I hated myself for so long. It was days where I would just be in my room, just crying, just trying to understand, you know, why me? Mm. Why was I dealt such bad cards? You know, why Mm -hmm. you, you, sometimes you feel like you weren't even given a chance. Right. But, you know, and I can't really say the thing that clicked for me. Mm -hmm. It was just a light bulb. Mm-hmm. It just went off, and I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. And it was a complete 180. And through powerlifting, I really learned to love myself. You know, as the weight loss started coming, you learn a little bit, but it still wasn't enough. Sometimes you're still not happy with yourself right. on the inside, even though the outside is looking better. Mm-hmm. But powerlifting mm-hmm. really helped me find that confidence because, you know, it takes a lot of confidence to get under some weight. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially in front of, you know, sometimes a couple hundred people. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So powerlifting gave you the confidence to, I guess it it gives you, it gave you that confidence in other areas of your life as well. Right. You know, powerlifting is is so powerful to me. I I love Mm -hmm. it because not only did it help me in that aspect of confidence, but time management as a graduate Mm -hmm. student, you know, you have to have time to work out. Right. Okay, you know you have to have time to to eat because mm-hmm. if you don't eat, you don't perform. Right. So it really helped me, you know, be more responsible mm-hmm. in t- so many different aspects of my life. That's awesome. Um, so you mentioned, um, how long have you been powerlifting, by the way? It's 2019. This is my third year. Okay. Okay. And were you on a team specifically through your school or just sort of independent of that? Yes. So at first, until I graduated, which I graduated uh, August 2018, which was Mm -hmm. very recent. Yeah. I lifted with um, the powerlifting team and now I am individual, but I still coach them. Oh, wonderful. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, And so what do you... What would you? What advice would you give other women, particularly Black women, because that's who um, we're usually talking to and about and for? Um, what advice would you give them if they were interested in trying powerlifting but maybe hesitant because they didn't know a whole lot or just you know there's all these weird uh, I don't know what you call them myths or things going on around about what'll happen if you start powerlifting? Um, what advice would you give them? First of all, find a coach. Mm-hmm. Find a good coach. Find a coach that you are comfortable with, and then do your own research. Mm-hmm. There's, mm-hmm. luckily enough, you know, so, Brie. I'm sure when you first started powerlifting, it wasn't too many of us on Instagram powerlifting. Right, right, right. But now we have sisters of powerlifting. You know, shout out to Shireen mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. making hey, such sis. a <laughs> making such a great resource for us. Go, mm-hmm. sisters of powerlifting, 
and look at all the beautiful black women right who have changed their minds and their bodies because of powerlifting or olympic lifting and even you Bree, with the chocolate bar you know so well, amazing <laughs> so great such great resources for us to come together because sometimes you feel alone out there when i first started powerlifting you know it was just me and my friend we were the two brown spots <laughs> right exactly exactly so it seems like you're alone you go to a meet even when you feel like you're at a place where there's plentiful black people but you go to a meet and there's only two black women mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so between sisters of powerlifting and chocolate bar y'all are amazing for showing us that we are out here and we are doing the damn thing and you are amazing because you're doing the damn thing (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate that um so how have your friends and family sort of um received your powerlifting you know i think again in our communities it's still a little bit and it's already outside the norm when you find a, a black woman that is lifting you know weights or working out not necessarily just for aesthetics um but then you know one that's specifically lifting to to be strong um and you know we we still tend to get the side eye a little bit so how's how have your friends and family received um, your interest in powerlifting. My grandmother, may her soul rest in peace. She would always ask me, you know, when you gonna stop? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a grandma. <laughs> and I said, Grandma, I'm not gonna stop. This is this is it. This is forever. She'd be like, oh, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. And you know, my mom, she's somewhat supportive. You know, she doesn't tell me not to do it. Right. Or you know, she doesn't talk bad about the way I look or anything. Mm-hmm. But she hates my singlet. She hates the whole. <laughs> She really hates the whole powerlifting get up. She hates the knee high socks. She said, really? Yes. She, <laughs> what does she, she hate about it? She she was like, Erica, where you going with that damn wrestling suit on? Oh, none that is true. <laughs> <laughs> and then the socks, she just oh she gets so tripped out. It's so funny. But you that know, they, they are very supportive. She came to my meet this past Saturday and that was nice to see because yeah. they haven't been able to Was that the first time go. she'd been to your meet or? Yes, because the ones that I've been to haven't been so local. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they've either I've had to travel to Orlando or Boynton Beach. Right. So it was harder to get them there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my grandma is luckily a, an angel and she was able to watch for the first time from her top view, Aww, I like to call yeah. it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm sure she is very, very proud of you. <laughs> um, so what, let's see, if you had to do one lift only for the rest of your powerlifting life, what lift would you do and why? Give me bench all oh, day. What? Wow. All that day. Is, that is a shocker. I was not expecting you to say that. What do, What do you love about bench? I guess because it's my best lift. I feel okay. like it's my best lift. I I, mm-hmm. I just love bench. Um, I, I guess and because girl, I bench so much. I need to get much, some of that to rub off on me. Ooh. I bench so much. My coach <laughs> gives me bench, you know, three times a week. Wow. Wow. And it okay. makes such a big difference in how it mm-hmm. moves. And, you know, it's not as exhausting Mm-hmm. As you know, you can ha- go in and you have five sets of bench and you feel okay after you leave. But, you know, you come out of five sets of squats and deadlifts and you ready yeah. to just sit down <laughs> on somebody's floor. Exactly. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So what's your least favorite lift then? It has to be the squat. Oh, oh the squat. you hurt my heart, sis. Why? 
it's so technical it is mm-hmm. so technical to me so most people say bench is very technical i was gonna say i feel like literally the exact opposite like i feel like bench is super technical bench came very naturally for me mm. okay very natural to set up mm-hmm. you know the bar pass with mm-hmm. squat i just feel like you sit down too long at work one day and you go in and your depth is trash mm, yeah or you didn't warm up enough and everything feels horrible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i got a knock knee so oh wow so that's just extra, a knock knee and flat feet <laughs> extra complicated so do you coach yourself um for your meets or do you have a coach that you work with i have a coach who is also um one of the fiu powerlifting coaches his name oh, okay. is vincent victorero he is also mm-hmm. a very great powerlifter himself he actually mm-hmm. competed at the arnold this year oh wow okay okay awesome awesome um so since you mentioned that you also started to get into coaching um, the team that you used to compete with um what do you think is the biggest challenge to getting more black women into powerlifting? Oh, I think it's just taking that step. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, you know, you see black women in the gym and then they're, they're working, they're lifting the weights. Right. They're doing the little things. And I, I, when I see them, I try to nudge them like, Hey, right. You know, you think you want to try something different or mm-hmm. when they come up to me and they say, wow, you're so strong. I say, you can be strong, too. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to pull more of us in. Right. But it's really taking that step. And then it takes for a lot of us to realize that what other people have to say is none of our business. This is true. <laughs> but it's so hard when you have your family who doesn't want you to do it. Or you may have a significant other mm-hmm. who is really not into it. Because, you know, we have some black men who will come down on us for building that muscle. I've seen it happen. Right. I've in my own gym. Mm-hmm. Not my gym anymore. But some of them, you don't think that's too heavy? Oh, because it's more than you could do. And it's, that's usually what it boils down to, ego. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's really tuning out all of that bad noise. Mm-hmm. But it's so much bad noise. Yeah. And it also depends on the area because I feel like in certain areas, like I wish I was in New York and New Jersey area because I feel like that's where we all at and Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's actually a lot in um, uh, kind of in the... Uh, where I am in the uh, Maryland, D.C., Virginia area, too. Um, there's a there's a little concentration. So, yeah, I definitely could see that. It seems like there's little pockets of us. Um, but I think, like you mentioned, you know, having the platforms where we can find each other, I think, is going to be really helpful to getting more people involved in the sport once they see how cool it is and how badass everybody looks. So Definitely. So what, do you, what are some of your, like, give me your, um, like, the top, three mistakes newbie powerlifters make in your opinion that you've seen as a coach going into a meet blind mm-hmm. and, what not, and not knowing the rules not knowing the commands mm-hmm. trying to cut weight for their first powerlifting meet mm, we'll get back to that in a second uh-huh and uh, you know poor programming Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which goes back to the whole coach yep. <laughs> get a coach <laughs> get a coach there are yeah. so many affordable online coaches out here you don't have to pay a lot of money to get a good coach believe it or mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. yeah yeah so back to the uh cutting weight thing why is that such an issue for in particular newbie power lifters one you haven't had enough experience under the bar 
mm-hmm. most of the time to know the difference your body feels without that weight. Right. Because you know. a lot of times it'll kind of, it it seems to me it's it's that balance and sweet spot between maintaining your strength at a at at that lighter weight. Right? And I'm sure we've seen elite power lifters, the best of the best, you know, cut weight mm-hmm. at the last minute. Too mm-hmm. much weight at the last minute. And it hinders their performance. Right. Big time. Yeah. 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 So. Especially if you don't know much about nutrition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It can make yeah. a big difference in the performance on your meat. They always think that first meat should be to have fun. Right. To get the experience, to know the commands, to learn how to focus on not the outside noise, but focus on the judges and what they're saying to you. Mm-hmm. And getting that experience, seeing, meeting new people. That right. was the best thing about my first meet was all the people. People were so nice. At that point, I really didn't have a coach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it it was seemed hectic learning how to warm up right. and learning how to hop in with people warming up. Because sometimes you're so shy and you see people lifting so much more weight than you. You don't want to yeah. hop in with them. Right. <laughs> but right. they were realizing that powerlifting is such a family sport mm-hmm. and that everybody is so helpful for the most part and so nice. Right. That was the best experience of my first meet. Awesome. Awesome. So I want to talk a little bit about um, what you do outside of the gym. Um, and so you mentioned that you are a regist- registered dietitian. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Can you tell us? what that what that actually means um and i also wanted to find out because i you know i think with the onslaught of social media um which is a great thing it can be a great thing i think it also can be a bad thing because i think that there are people out there um claiming to have knowledge that they don't (laughs) and in this particular realm i think it can be particularly um dangerous so tell us what a registered dietitian is and is not so a registered dietitian is in the united states the nutrition expert okay um it is a protected title mm-hmm. you have to have a bachelor's degree in nutrition or a similar field you have to complete an internship which is 1200 supervised hours and you mm-hmm. have to pass the national exam to be considered a registered dietitian Okay. Now, on top of that title, we also have licensed dietitian, which I am registered and licensed. Okay. But every state doesn't require licensure. So -hmm. the title is not always protected in every state. And that goes back, Bree, to what you were talking about, how people claim to be experts in nutrition. They call themselves nutritionists because they could get away with it in certain states as claiming that Mm. because the title isn't protected in that Mm -hmm. state by a license. That's good information. So, so someone, so dietitians, wait, I think you, I think you said dietitians are nutritionists, but nutritionists are not dietitians. Gotcha. Okay. That's what I was looking for. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. And so, um, what do dietitians do? Cause I think when people hear that word, they automatically assume that that's who you go to, to get put on a diet. And that's not entirely it is not true so what a dietitian does is we are we are everywhere Mm -hmm. you have a clinical dietitian which is what i do Mm -hmm. for my day job and we're in the hospitals we give education we Mm -hmm. provide medical nutrition therapy and medical nutrition therapy is basically not prescribing a diet but giving recommendations to treat or help manage a certain disease 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like helping somebody manage their diabetes through diet, helping okay. somebody manage their hypertension through diet, right? Crohn's disease, celiac mm-hmm. disease, mm-hmm. Uh, high cholesterol. You okay. know, I could go on and on about you know what we do but really it's not about being put on the diet we provide recommendations first right and 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 so i'm assuming because i think this is something that's come up a lot in in the in the health field too um particularly dealing with um larger clients so when you say helping someone manage um you know whatever ailments or illnesses they have through their nutrition not their diet like as in they're on a restricted calorie diet you're looking at that sort of outside of 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 their body is that correct because i i guess what i'm trying to say is you don't immediately have a a client who's fat or overweight and comes in and you say and they say okay i have diabetes and you're like okay well you're also fat so you have to go on a diet is that's not right no 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 if they they have to express that want to me right want to and it's so crazy i was talking today because sometimes we get consults in the hospital for weight mm-hmm. loss. And mm-hmm. I say, you know, unless that patient specifically said out of their mouth and requested me right. for that reason, I don't venture into those fields because it's very touchy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because what we see may not be what somebody else sees. Who am I to tell right. somebody that they need to lose weight? Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's and a lot of times it's not even about the weight loss because sometimes the weight loss happens anyway. Right. Right, right. But if I can help you change your all around how you think about food, mm-hmm. how you look at food, how you how you plan your meals, changing that mindset, the weight loss comes naturally most of the time. You know, right, right, right. I'm or, not going to push the weight loss if I feel like there's something. If your diabetes is uncontrolled, the first thing we need to teach you to do is how to carbohydrate count. Right, right, right. As it relates to your illness exactly yeah yeah that makes sense so what's the typical um demographic or population that you see is it just sort of whoever comes through the hospital where you work or right now it's i see a lot of uh, elderly people mm, interesting okay. because uh, in the area that i'm in it's just it's the snowbird season still so oh, they haven't went back yeah. yet yeah, yeah you yeah. know they Ret- haven't went back retirees, yet. yeah yes yeah. so mm-hmm. but i in my hospital there's everything so we have the you know like the med surgical floor we have a telemetry floor which is mostly like cardiac issues Mm -hmm. we also have mother baby Mm -hmm. and we have pediatric Mm -hmm. so I get a little taste of everything okay okay and so when you work with um you work with a patient so let's let's do this so a patient comes in and and you know whatever they have whatever general health things going on Mm -hmm. and they say you know you're I don't know if they pick you or you're assigned to them I'm not really sure how that works um walk us through sort of the steps that you take with that person okay so in the clinical setting basically uh when you get admitted to the hospital the nurse Mm -hmm. asks you a series of questions okay we use like the malnutrition assessment Mm -hmm. so if you answer these questions a certain way it triggers a consult for the dietitian. Okay. So if you said if you've unintentionally lost weight, if you mm-hmm. say you have a decreased appetite, or mm-hmm. if you have problems at home with chewing or swallowing, if you have cancer, a lot of times a mm. good a good nurse will consult us for somebody that has aggressive cancer and they've okay. lost weight. Um, once that trigger comes up and I get my task list for the day, 
I screen you. So I, ba- I look at the labs. I look mm-hmm. at the past medical history. I look at the whole story. I look at the doctor's notes to see what they're saying. Okay. And then I go see the patient. And I interview them and I ask them the basic questions, you know, have you lost weight? I re-ask them the same questions because mm-hmm. sometimes the answer is different. When the nurse gets them, sometimes they're out of it. Right. They may they may not even, a lot of times they don't even remember that they said it. Right. Um. Right. So I, I re-ask them these things. And sometimes it's good because the family is there. Mm-hmm. Whereas the family might, have, might not have been there when they got admitted to the hospital. So the family is there. The family can give, especially for my older adults, they mm-hmm. can give me a better view of what's going on, you know. My mom has lost this much weight in this amount of time, and this is right. how, this has been going on. And you know, I haven't had a bowel movement in this long, and I feel mm-hmm. nauseous, or I've had pain when I eat. We take all those things into consideration, and while they're in the hospital, we try to help them as best mm-hmm. we can. You know, sometimes things are out of our control because clinical is such a small period of time. Right. Right. But at so, that point, if I feel like it, I will refer somebody to an outpatient dietitian because outpatient dietitians get that time they get that hour and they get that follow-up visit more than Mm -hmm. we do in the hospital Mm -hmm. and so like let's say in in helping someone and you know let's say you refer them out or whatever like typically are is that person given like a meal plan or like how do they help them help themselves I guess is is my question so most I'm gonna speak for myself I am not Mm -hmm. big on meal plans Okay. Because I feel like if you've been eating a certain way for a very long time, I cannot tell you to just, you know, up and change 100% the way you're eating. Because a lot of times it's just that drastic, you know, it's not just one thing. It's about that step-by-step process. And that's why if I really feel like somebody needs an outpatient dietitian, I recommend it. Because I give recommendations Mm -hmm. in the hospital as much as I can. But like I said, Mm -hmm. it's so brief that a lot of people need that follow-up. And when you say recommendations, like, can you give, give an example of what that would look like? Like no salt or. Yeah, exactly. So if I, if I have somebody that's having issues with, because they have heart failure. Right. And they keep coming back to the hospital for fluid overload for volume overload. Mm hmm. I try to, I spend a little bit more time with those, those folks. So I ask them, you know, what's going on? Because a lot of times it's not that they're trying to eat this way right. a lot of people don't have access to kitchens i've realized or they don't this have a stove true. yeah i get a lot of older adults that live in places that don't come with a stove mm. so at that point what do you what can they eat other than something that's filled with sodium right you right. know and preservatives yeah. exactly so i try to give and then at that point then it's resources okay can we get you meals on wheels because that's going to be a little bit better mm-hmm so it's about seeing the big picture or if somebody does have access to the kitchen okay can you stop adding salt at the table mm-hmm. first let's start mm-hmm. with that right okay after that let's go to not adding the salt when you cook let's use mm-hmm. fresh herbs and other things right. or mrs dash mm-hmm. or an example of uncontrolled diabetes i reteach carbohydrate counting because believe it or not a lot of i get a lot of people that have diabetes have had diabetes for a while and really haven't been taught carbohydrate counting the right way especially if they've been diagnosed a long time ago mm-hmm. with that old school mentality of no carbs at all oh okay and so can you just kind of explain for the in layman's terms sort of what the connection is between diabetes and and kind of controlling the carb your carbohydrate carbohydrate intake right so if you have type 2 diabetes which is the diabetes mm-hmm. that is um usually on the adult onset um, right type 1 is usually very young onset Mm -hmm. and it's insulin dependent type 2 diabetes is not insulin dependent until it's been uncontrolled for too long 
Okay. So you can have carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. The point is to control that carbohydrates at every meal, at mm-hmm. your snacks. And that that's the so having two to three servings of carbohydrates at breakfast, having one to two servings for a snack, having mm-hmm. another two to three servings for lunch, having another two to three servings for dinner to match whatever medication you're on. So if mm-hmm. you're on insulin already, you have to kind of play around with that to make sure your blood sugar doesn't get too low. So does so do carbohydrates like spike your blood sugar or like what yeah, what what so, effect does it have on someone with diabetes? Okay, so um simple carbohydrates which are the ones that don't have fiber don't have nutrients like soda mm-hmm. cause very large spikes in blood glucose or blood sugar okay gotcha now things like sweet potato oatmeal things that have fiber in it don't cause that large spike as much okay, okay. so what happens when you have a large spike your body goes into this boom oh we need yeah. insulin and it shoots all that insulin out there Mm-hmm. But what happens in diabetes is, is that your body doesn't respond to the insulin anymore. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Which makes your blood sugar stay high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what's happening. But in type 1 diabetes, which like I said, is usually young onset, right. the pancreas completely stops doing what it's supposed to do and making insulin. Mm-hmm. Which is why type 1 diabetes is insulin dependent and type 2 diabetes is not necessarily. Gotcha. Gotcha. But type 2 diabetes can progress to the point of insulin dependence. If, if it's kind of left unchecked. Yes. Mm, interesting. So what, what led you to your career as a dietitian? My own weight loss journey. Mm-hmm. Okay. My own, and when I really sat down and thought about it, I've had so many experiences with nutrition before. I could have even imagined my little brother he has autism mm-hmm. and part of his thing was he wouldn't eat mm, when he was younger okay. they thought my grandma was starving him mm-hmm. and then little fat me comes around the corner <laughs> like, well, we eat <laughs> <laughs> and so he had a, a feeding tube for for a few years mm-hmm. until he started eating and he had to go to dietitians. He had to go to speech language pathologists to mm-hmm. really get him to try different textures of different foods. Mm-hmm. And then my mm-hmm. grandmother had her own ailments that could have been controlled with nutrition. You know, she was diabetic right. most of her life. And ultimately, that's what led to you, her death was mm-hmm. the complications of diabetes. The mm-hmm. She pretty much didn't have any blood flow to her legs. Oh, okay. And yeah. after so long, that's what happened. It's, that's why it's so important. I try to get people to really control their diabetes because there's so many other things that come along with it if it's not controlled right that could in that can decrease your quality of life much faster than you want it to you know she was also had the chronic kidney disease from the diabetes Mm -hmm. on top of the what we call neuropathy right on top heart disease when you have diabetes your risk of heart disease is increased Mm -hmm. so that so kind of watching those experiences Definitely because you you want to be better than the people that came before you. Mm -hmm. You want to have, you know, I saw my grandma and I was like, you know, I don't want my kids to have to go through some of this stuff. You know, if I can avoid it happening, if I could teach my kids how to be healthier. So these issues are not passed on from generation to generation because it eventually becomes genetic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Interesting. So one of the other things um, that 
piqued my interest about, um, you know, your journey and talking to you was you mentioned, and I think I saw a post or two about this, um, your experience with intuitive eating. Um, and I think that's kind of become a buzz phrase nowadays, <laughs> um, although it's been around for a while, as I right. understand it. So I wanted to find out a little bit about, you know, and, and, and that can be both from your professional and your personal perspective, um, what that's been like. So I guess, first of all, to start off, like what what exactly is intuitive eating? Intuitive eating is, in layman's terms, pretty much trusting yourself to know how to nourish your body mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without undernourishing, without overnourishing, and without restriction. Okay. That is the biggest thing. I think that when registered dietitians started pushing intuitive eating, we wanted people to realize that all foods fit. Right. That it doesn't have to be this restrictive one thing, you know, I can only eat this, I can only eat that, or I can't have right. that, to get rid of that notion of good and bad foods Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. not one single food has been linked to any one disease you know Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. always the lifestyle as a whole and I won't even say the diet as a whole it's the lifestyle as a whole Mm -hmm. if you're Mm -hmm. not moving what can you expect you know right if you're not moving you cannot eat as much as somebody that is active Mm -hmm. if you're eating so much just as much as somebody that is active then that's that's overnourishing yourself right Right. So it's not a, a diet per se. Exactly. Like when you think about a tradition. It's not a restrictive, I guess we should say. Right. It's, um, it's diet. trying to learn moderation, learning how to monitor your portion sizes, learning how to stop eating where you're satisfied instead of full. Because mm-hmm. that I feel like that is a big thing for a lot of people is that food tastes good. We like stuff right. that tastes good. Right. And one of the big things in research today is how highly palatable. Pal- palatable mm-hmm. <laughs> foods affect the way we eat mm-hmm. because when mm-hmm. something tastes really good you want more of it right and a lot of the foods that we enjoy a lot of foods that are out there right now are that way you think fast food that's one of the best examples mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. sodium a lot of sugar right a lot of fat that's mm-hmm. where all the stuff that's where <laughs> that's what makes stuff taste good right exactly yeah so so learn, um Go ahead. I'm sorry. Learning the satiety factor versus mm-hmm. fullness mm-hmm. is a big mm-hmm. thing with intuitive mm-hmm. eating. And you mean just in terms of like you don't want to you don't want to feel like your pants are about to burst and your stomach exactly. Burst open, so but you feel like okay, I've I've eaten and I've you know my right. tummy's full and I feel nice and good. Can I take this? Can I just you know? Can I get a box to go? Right. Right. So tell me about. Um, for you personally what made you decide to try because I, and I don't know like up until that point you had mentioned you know you had been on a weight loss journey and some other things right. I don't know all that you sort of tried to do but can you talk to us about what led you up to that point to try intuitive eating well I was tired for one I was tired of tracking and I, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm still a fresh registered dietitian like I just got licensed in October I passed the mm-hmm. exam in October I got Yay. my degree in August mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so one of the things is is that I wanted to be able to help people who don't want to track calories okay be able to change their eating habits mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And I felt like I needed to know I myself I had been tracking for so long mm-hmm. that I felt like I had kind of got out of touch with that mm-hmm. to the point where I was kind of nervous to not track. Right, right, right. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I think that's one of the things, particularly with people who, um, you know, in, in whatever that, you know, sort of diet, restrictive diet history they have, like almost feeling like you're out of control or that you'll get out of control. And like, right. how do you how do you combat that feeling? By giving yourself that little bit, but staying away. I think what people don't realize is that we all have a trigger food or mm-hmm. foods. Mm-hmm. If you know there's a particular food that you start and you can't stop, stay away from it. Mm-hmm. Stay mm-hmm. away from it. But don't completely restrict yourself. Buy a little bit of it instead. Right. Instead of, you know, if you know, like if, if chips is your thing, buy individual bag, buy individual bags of chips mm-hmm. instead of family size bags of chips. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, you take the mm-hmm. whole big bag and you're just right. sitting down with it. Right. I always tell people the things that even the healthier things that could be trigger foods like nuts. Yeah. Oh, that's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but nuts are so good for you. They have so many nutrients yeah. in them, but they also are very high in calories because of the yeah. fat. Yeah. So I know with me, cashews, if the cashew jar is in front of me, by the time I didn't walk back and forth 17 times. Right, right. <laughs> it's empty. You're like, what happened here? <laughs> so things like that. You Coming up with strategies to stop yourself from overeating things, uh, mm-hmm. pre-portioning things if you buy a bulk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. only going out like if you like cookies maybe one once a week or once every two weeks you go to the actual cookie place and you buy you know just one gourmet cookie right and it's probably way more satisfying because it's not an oreo right <laughs> right exactly exactly so tell me a little bit about what um what your experience has been like because I, I know you were you know preparing for your competition um your powerlifting me and I don't know if like how does how did the intuitive eating figure in that do you normally cut weight for me do you not like, I, how did you kind of keep because I mean obviously powerlifting is a weight class sport of course I mean, you can't get around it so how did you kind of intermix that where you were comfortable with kind of where you were while trying to incorporate more intuitive eating habits this meat because I, I did not cut for okay not intentionally at least um <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, the two meats before I've had to somewhat cut, not drastically, but a little Mm -hmm. bit, but I realized how it hinders my performance. Mm, And so I was tired of, you know, cutting water. Yeah. I I was tired and my grandmother passed in December Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I did the total opposite of what I thought I was going to do. I stopped, I stopped eating. My appetite was so bad after she passed Mm -hmm. that I was, I just wasn't in the mood to track it. I said, you know, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to mm-hmm. practice intuitive eating i'm not going to track mm-hmm. even though i'm so many weeks out from a meet i'm not going to track right. and what i realized that happened was is that i added more variety to my diet mm-hmm. i was happier because i was eating different things because i wasn't with me i'm the the simple tracker i want i wanted to right. be as easy as possible i didn't cook things like pasta and this because it was too hard to track i don't have time yeah. to be yeah. trying to figure all this stuff out weighing the onions right. and weighing the bell peppers yeah <laughs> keep it simple <laughs> I was, it was it was just so much more enjoyable mm-hmm. to not track and i ended up weighing in for this meat the lightest i ever have but i performed the best i ever have too even with recovering from an injury and go- going through grief during the whole oh, wow. prep Interesting. You know, because my prep was very up and down with yeah, my emotions mm-hmm. and everything that was going on. But to go into that meet and hit numbers that I actually wanted to hit, the only the only lift that I didn't hit what I intended to hit was bench because I had a little hiccup on my opener. Mm-hmm. But I still hit the numbers I wanted for squat and deadlift, and I felt right. good. 
right. didn't feel tired. I didn't feel depleted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I weighed in at 81.5 kilograms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I qualified for Raw Nationals. Oh, that's fantastic. And it's something that I really want to talk to. I try to be on my FIU powerlifting athletes about it, about maintaining weight as best you can off season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, is so important, true. unless you have full intentions of going up or down the weight class, mm-hmm. you know, it's so important to maintain that weight because the water cut does affect you no matter if you, you can say it doesn't, but two hours to replenish losing three, four pounds of water is not enough time. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a lot of stress on your body. Especially if you had to cut the water, you had to cut Mm -hmm. calories, you didn't eat, you know, you barely ate because you had to make weight the whole week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It makes a big difference. Wow. So how did you handle or, or, and also if you have any like sort of strategies that you used or tips that you can give, because I think a large part of, um, you know, intuitive eating, like you mentioned, kind of removing the moral, um, the moral compass or you know moral morality from your foods it's not good or bad it's not a guilty treat it's not a cheat meal it's just food i think a lot of like emotional and mental things are wrapped up right in 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 how and what we eat and the way that we eat how did you go about kind of managing that part of the process because i mean and even for myself like i'm sitting here thinking about this and i'm like I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I would be a little nervous, like, okay, you know, ooh, my clothes going to get tight. What's going to happen? Right. So how would you, how do you kind of work yourself through that part of the process to, to be able to trust yourself? Oh, one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a big thing for me was that I was scared of emotional eating. You know, those mm-hmm. days where you just, you know, grief is very funny. Right. You could be fine and the next thing you know, you're sitting in the middle of the road and had to pull over because you're right. full of tears. Right. Um, but the way I thought about it and I, the, what I try to tell a lot of my patients is that the one thing that you can control is your actions. Mm-hmm. You can control your actions You and you have to really want to control your actions. So that moment where you feel like you just have to have something, like you're craving something, sit down and think about why you feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, before you jump and eat it, you know, are, mm-hmm. am I really hungry? Right. Am I right. anxious? Right. That's a big part of intuitive or mindful eating is, you know, coming to terms with why you feel the, the need to just jump and eat something. Right. Is right. it, are you really hungry? Has it been, a, you know, a reasonable amount of time since you had something? Has it been too long since you've had something and that's why you're ravenous? Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's that happens to a lot especially us with busy schedules you know we get yeah. so busy our body just goes into this flight or flight mode and it doesn't right. think about food we mm-hmm. don't think about food a long day and then by the time you relax and realize the day has ended you realize right. that you only had one thing to eat that day right right and then your yeah. instincts kick in we're still animals <laughs> yeah, we still we still have those those instincts and that's when our body being that you went without food for so long your body is craving something that's high in calories and we know what the high in calorie things to go to are mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. why we you know we want something that tastes good you know i haven't eaten all day of course i want something that tastes good i don't want broccoli right <laughs> exactly 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 and so that's a, that's a big thing too is like always you know staying satiated staying satisfied having a plan planning mm-hmm. is a big thing and the, for my athletes i always say you know plan your protein first mm-hmm. that's always the limiting factor in a meal because you can always find some sides quick 
Yeah. Yeah. But protein is one of those hard, harder things to get, especially if you're eating out a lot. So as as someone who, you know, used to track and is kind of, you know, moving, transitioning into something different, like I know a lot of folks, um, you know, meal plan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's easier and, you know, obviously if you're tracking, it's easier or whatever. Is, can you still do that and eat intuitively? Like, or do you suggest people not meal prep if they're not I, You can definitely still meal prep and eat intuitively because you're, you know, you're making choices not based off of whether it fits your macros or not, mm, but you're okay. making choices on, you know, well, I think I want this for lunch tomorrow right. or for this week, you know, and I, it's not, I tell people you can still portion your stuff. If you still have to weigh your stuff to make sure you're, you're eating the right amount, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Take the time to eyeball every now and then. Right. Right. When I, I eyeballed up until I got very close to my meat and I was like, okay, I don't want to go a little too crazy and I have to end up cutting and tracking again. So Mm -hmm. I did start using my food scale again, but for about two months, I didn't really use my food scale either. I kind of eyeballed everything. Mm -hmm. It's learning to trust it. Really, we know when we're eating too much. Right. We know when we're eating too little. Mm Mm-hmm. We have to really learn to trust ourselves and not, you know, punish ourselves for enjoying foods either. That's right. a big thing, you know. Oh, I had a, I had a cheat meal. I feel horrible, you know. Brush it off. Yeah, I, and I hate that word. I don't. I don't like I don't that word. I, I tell like people, people all the time, it. I don't have cheat meals. Yeah. If I, I want something, yeah. I go get it. I don't have treat meals either. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, it's just. And the other thing I hate. Somebody asked me this the other day. Um, what my guilty pleasure was. And I was like, I don't have any guilty pleasures because I don't feel guilty about shit. No. <laughs> you know, if and I want it, I want it. And you yeah. know, it's. I read something when I was in school that said, you know, sometimes part of normal, normal eating is, is not just one thing. Normal eating can be on one day you overeat, on the next day you undereat. Right, right. You know, there's an in between. You know, some days you do very good and other days you don't. That's part of mm-hmm. life. Yeah. And that's what intuitive eating is not supposed to be this strict thing or I have to eat this, I have to eat that, or I can't have this and I can't have that. It's trusting yourself to go out, have a nice meal out, have some dessert, and not feel guilty about it. Yeah. Because we shouldn't feel guilty about it. Right. And I think just like with most things, it's really about consistency over the long haul. You know, if you can manage to you know, nourish your, to me anyways, if, at least I try to think about it like, you know, Brie, if you can manage to nourish your body, you know, for whatever it is that you're trying to do, you know, eh, 90% of the time, you know. The 80-20 rule. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Eight, Which has been around forever. forever. It's funny. It's almost like everything's coming full circle now. <laughs> the 80-20, and the 80-20 rule really works if you let it. I think that we let our emotions take over some time when it comes to food mm-hmm. because food so many things are tied to food you know culture yes. is tied to food yes um so we go to comfort foods quote unquote when we're feeling some type of way we go to comfort foods when we feel good mm-hmm. you know so many things are tied to food we celebrate graduations birthdays yes babies yep. you know with Absolutely. food we so when when we're feeling down we go to comfort food so it's mm-hmm. just tied to so many things but we do have control over it it's okay right. to want you know you're feeling down and you want a little pick me up but try to not overeat you know right. just go get a little bit of it or make a little bit of it make just enough because yeah. that's usually just enough to make you feel better anyway yeah it's just kind of extra great like i was reading something like after the first few bites you don't even really taste 
it doesn't taste the same or it doesn't taste quite as good anyway. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I've never managed to eat a few bites of any of my favorite foods, but that's what I hear anyway. <laughs> you know, eventually the body adapts too. I right. realized that I cannot eat nearly as much as I used to. I was actually kind of disappointed. <laughs> 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 you know, you, I'm at my meat and I had one, after I weighed in, I had one waffle, a couple mm-hmm. egg whites and some bacon. And I'm like, man, wait a minute. Right. Like, What's happening right now? What's happening? <laughs> wait a minute. I, I'm too full. My belt, mm-hmm. I got to loosen my belt up. <laughs> right, right, right. But that's what you needed right then and there. Um, and I guess another question I had, and I, I, you know, was doing a little research and I saw this come up quite a bit. Um so eating intuitively like does that always well i won't say always but does that ever lead to like if someone wants to you know is looking for intentional weight loss is are those is that something that can happen with intuitive eating is it kind of a byproduct is it made does it you know i guess what should people expect to happen if they decide they want to go down that road so they don't panic (laughs) brie honestly the three things could happen you could lose weight you can gain weight or you can maintain your weight mm-hmm. it'll all depend on of course what you're eating right how how, how much you're eating and mm-hmm. your activity level mm-hmm. so if you start intuitive eating and you feel like you're going to and you step on the scale and the scale is not moving in the direction you would like the first thing to do will be to look at what you're eating and say, okay, right. where can I, where can I take some calories out? And that's mm-hmm. what I want people to think of. I don't want people to think of what, what food do I need to eliminate per se, mm, but where okay. can I, where can I eliminate calories as a whole? Mm-hmm. You know, can I portion this better? Can I portion that better? Mm-hmm. Or if you want to gain weight, where can I add calories? Right. Right. Or if you're, if you see that you're maintaining and that's what you want to do, okay, I'm going to keep this the same. Or I'm going to mm-hmm. learn how to, you know, make this work with other foods. It's, but it's, it's all trial and error. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why it's, it's a lifestyle change. It's never right. just this one thing because it is, we never going to eat the same things every day for the rest of our life. Right. That is true. Our taste buds change. We mm-hmm. have kids. Mm-hmm we don't have kids (laughs) you know know, so or you know we move somewhere where temporarily we might not have a stove Mm -hmm. or we get a new job we might be working two jobs right and the time for cooking just really diminishes Mm -hmm. we might Mm -hmm. become less active right you know all these things will play a role in weight and i just i wanted people to realize that you know weight is not everything right it's really not Mm-hmm. Now, if you're if if your weight is getting out of control and you realize that, that's the first step is that realizing that it's out of control. Either way, mm-hmm. you could be losing too much weight. Right. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Um, so if someone was interested in, you know, getting some assistance, whether it was through, you know, whether it was with intuitive eating or just, you know, generally maybe making some changes to how they eat and what they eat. How would they go about finding a dietitian or someone that could help them? Like if it's not through a, you know, like I checked into the hospital and now. Right, I'm right. So you can go to uh, eatright.org, mm-hmm. which is our governing body. And we'll put, I'll put this in the show notes yes. so people can find it. And they okay. have a link to find an expert. Okay. Where you can find a dietitian in your area. Mm-hmm. If you have a primary care doctor, mm-hmm. your primary care doctor should have some dietitians that they can refer you to mm-hmm. um 
Word of mouth, too, mm-hmm. is a big thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of dietitians now that are on social media. Mm-hmm. That you- Do dietitians work um, online? Yes. Are there dietitians that offer online? Yes, I offer. Well? I offer online coaching. I offer online okay. coaching for. It looks like it's only for power listers, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's just that that has mm-hmm. been most of my clientele right now. Right. Mm-hmm. But if any regular, if you want to gain weight, maintain weight, just learn how, or just learn how to eat a little bit healthier, you know, be a little bit more nutritious. Right. I offer, I offer coaching. I know a lot of other dietitians that offer online coaching and it's mm-hmm. a good thing that we do because otherwise folks that don't have the credentials to mm-hmm. are out here doing the same thing. And it's not always good because these, they don't know what to look for. Right. You know, there's personal trainers that have people that have a history of congestive heart failure trying to drink a gallon of water a day. Right. That could send them to the hospital. Yeah. 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 Check them credentials. You have to check your credentials, people. Is there an organization or association for um, dietitians um, of color? And the reason I bring that up is that I think we all know pretty much in every aspect of everything, um, you know, there can be cultural biases. There can be racial biases sometimes that that affect how professionals, medical professionals view potential clients or patients. Um, and I know, and, and, and also from the other side of it, I think particularly if you're looking at, you know, maybe someone who's older or doesn't have a lot of exposure to, to this kind of stuff and is nervous, you know, they may want to see somebody that looks like them. Right. Um, is there like kind of a, you know, association or some, you know, how would one go about finding a, a black dietitian? So we, or a dietitian of color. On social media, there's Instagram, there's Diversified Dietetics. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And there's also National Organization of Blacks in Dietetics and Nutrition. Okay. Okay. Those are the two by two organizations that mm-hmm. I know of and that I um, well, I'm a part of National Organization of Blacks and Dietetics and Nutrition. Okay. Um, but it's hard out here. Yeah. Bree, we're scared. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's why we, we are very. You. you know, people. <laughs> some people look shook when I come yeah. into that room and I tell them I'm right. a dietitian. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. I did my internship at the VA, they were so excited to see me. The black uh-huh. veterans yeah. absolutely were ecstatic. Mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. somebody looked like them that was right. telling them how to eat food right because the first thing somebody would tell me you know how you gonna tell me to stop eating my collard greens with my ham eggs and and that's exactly it exactly it I, mm-hmm. and i would say mr such and such you know we don't can we do the collard greens with the smoked turkey instead right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Just, or maybe not have quite as much of the yeah. collard greens with the with the salt pork yeah 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 i hear you and and, and i mean i think again you know, that's why, you know, having your voices heard, you know, raising the visibility so people know that this is even a thing. There may be people that are like, I didn't even know there were black dietitians. You know what I mean? And 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 may based upon that alone decide that they want to take a step to, to, to change their habits, whereas before they would wouldn't have done it. So. You know, you guys are a gift and a blessing, and we got to make sure that you know there's there and that not only are you all visible, but that there are more of you <laughs> yes. coming along. And that's the, one of the main things that that is my main focus. You know, right mm-hmm. now it's it's just easier to start in the clinical setting and right. get that experience and branch outwards um, mm-hmm. in the field. But mm-hmm. my main goal is to close these health disparities within 
the black community and the Hispanic right. community too because right, we absolutely. have a lot of preventable diseases that is take that are taking us out and reducing our quality of life you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. our aunts and uncles absolutely. are dying at 60 when they could potentially live to 90 100 right. because right. of some of these things especially the diabetes and the heart disease yeah. yeah and I come across so many people in the hospital and I and with us I'm a little bit I spend them I'm gonna tell the truth I spend more time Mm-hmm. absolutely because I know that the access is just not there outside the hospital right right to another black dietitian i know that yeah yeah so i try to do is the best i can in the little limited amount of time that i have while i'm in the hospital to get people to try to you know even if they don't make the change right away to to plant a seed right exactly exactly that's, that's always my so main important. thing to plant a seed because even if you only change one thing every so many months you still made that change mm-hmm mm-hmm so if you if um, are there any, let's say someone kind of, like I said, maybe they don't have the resources right now to actually, you know, hire a dietitian or, you know, access to get to a dietitian or whatever, but they really do want to start thinking more about either intuitive eating or just, you know, eating in a way that is supportive to, you know, their health. Are there any like online resources, books, um, anything like that, that you recommend, like you recommend to client, um, patients or, um, that you personally recommend for people? Yes. So you could use the, or they could use the 2015 to 2020 dietary guidelines, which Mm -hmm. the new guidelines that are coming out after 2020 are even going to include, uh, pregnant women. Oh, interesting. Okay. Which is a totally different ball game. So I'm very Mm -hmm. happy about that. Okay. Um, it has everything from, you know, how much of protein you need. I will say though, those guidelines are not the same for athletes. Mm-hmm. Athletes, okay. I need y'all to be listening to Allen Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, Lyle McDonald. Okay. Uh-huh. And I can't say his name. And Showfield, I'll get his first name for you, Bree. Okay, we'll, put, <laughs> the, we'll have it in the show. Yeah, now. yeah. These, those are the the best nutrition researchers in the game right now for athletes mm-hmm. now the dietary okay. guidelines are more so for you know people that are not very active yet but thinking right. about getting active but where you want right. to get those dietary changes in order first mm-hmm. that's the dietary guidelines okay okay and then anything in terms of you know like i said if people want to find out more about intuitive eating and there's you know there's so much information out there i think it's hard to sometimes know which information to trust and like i said you know people are trying to sell you this and sell you that so mm-hmm. are there any books or resources on intuitive eating that you would recommend for people i have to give you check back with you and give it to you for the show notes just to okay, make sure no i'm problem. giving you know good stuff but it if you're not sure, if you're looking for something you're not sure, I always say check the credentials of the person. Okay. Um, right. Check the website. You know, is, are mm-hmm. they trying to sell you something? Right. Does something sound off? You know, a lot of times things sound off. Right. If it sounds too good to be true. Yeah. <laughs> it probably. You know, is. there's no magical pill. There's right. no magical diet. Yeah. It's about what works for you. What's sustainable for mm-hmm. you? What can you keep up with for the rest of your life, long term? Right. Right. If you don't think you can keep up with keto long term, then mm-hmm. keto isn't for you. If right. you don't think you can do intermittent fasting in the long term, it's not for you. Right. Right. Gotcha. That goes for anything. If you don't yeah. think you can count calories or track right. for a long time, if you if it's frustrating to you, they don't have to do it. There's something out there for everybody to be right. healthy. 
right. and eat nutritious right. food. I hear you. I hear you. Well, now this it's time for my fun random <laughs> questions. Um, I just like to ask questions just to kind of get to know people and get in their business and all that good stuff. So, um, what does your perfect day look like? Like, what would be a perfect day for you? What would you do? What would happen? I would sleep in until 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. How hilarious that that's sleeping mm, in. Sleeping in. <laughs> Bree, that's what I say, sleeping in until 9 a.m. I know. <laughs> I know. I, listen, because I'm like, ooh, that sounds so good. <laughs> I would sleep in. Mm-hmm. I would go have a nice breakfast. Mm-hmm. I love breakfast. That's the first thing. We're going out of town. Then the weekend, mm-hmm. I'm just like, where's the good breakfast in Ohio? <laughs> where's the good breakfast, where's the good breakfast in Ohio? I would have a nice breakfast. Mm-hmm. I would go to the shooting range. Mm. Go to the shooting range, and I would have a nice lifting session. Mm-hmm. Do some reading. Take a nice bath and go to bed. <laughs> Bare minimum. <laughs> to me. I know that's right. I love it. I love it. What's one thing people may not know about you? Or it would surprise them to know about you? Um, that I, I do like to shoot. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy mm-hmm. going to the shooting range. And I also own my own weapons. So I was just about to ask, but I was like, should I ask? <laughs> I think that's a the big surprise for a lot How of people. How long have you been, been shooting? Since you were younger? No, or? I actually just picked this up last year, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow, and it's 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 legal to carry. In yeah, right? very legal. Okay. The free state, like, kind of free, but not so free. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to, you know, blast you on uh, <laughs> on the podcast. But <laughs> interesting, interesting. And what made you decide to go that route? Self protection. Okay, ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, where do you feel most at home? In the gym. Hmm. Okay. In the gym. There's nothing like coming off. Cause some, sometimes the patients in the hospital just really <laughs> give you a hard time. Mm-hmm. And you get off work and you go into the gym and it's just a peaceful place. Even if there's so many other things going on. Once I get in my zone and right. I take my pre-workout mm-hmm. and I, I get focused, that's the best feeling ever. Even if it's not the workout, I've learned being with all the things I had going on in this last prep, I've really learned to enjoy the workout for what it is. You know, mm-hmm. even if I didn't mm-hmm. hit the numbers that I intended to hit that day, the fact that I was right. able to come in there and lift pain free. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful. Yeah. I hear you. What color best represents your personality and why? Red. I feel like I know what you, I was like, I feel like I know what you're going to say. Red. <laughs> Red. Shout out to Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You know how we do. But red represents like fierceness and passion. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm so passionate about everything that I do. I don't do anything that I'm not passionate about, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm not. Because when you do something you're not passionate about, you, you do the bare minimum. Right. You don't put any any love in it. It's also the color right. of love, too. And I'm a yeah. big lover. I'm a hard lover. Okay, girl. Let me find out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so if there was a history book, right, and there was an entry for Erica, what would that history book say about you? That Erica was a giver with a big mm-hmm. heart. You know, out of, out of, mm-hmm. out of, that's the thing I take the most pride in is 
being able to give other people even when I feel like I don't have much to give I find some way mm-hmm. to give to other people and I was resilient mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those are I the like things that. I'm most proud of about myself I like that um, what's what is the lesson that's taken that what's the lesson that's been the hardest and has taken the longest for you to learn patience Ah, patience I just told I told my good friend the other day I was like my word (laughs) until further notice is patience patience in everything patience Mm -hmm. in my career patience in relationships and friendships Mm -hmm. because I I, like I said when my grandma when I lost my grandma it was like my world was just turned upside down I didn't know what else to do other than literally wake up and take it day by day yeah because I felt like a big part of my life had been you know changed Mm -hmm. right so patience is really the main thing you know I feel like sometimes I get so excited about new ideas and new this and Mm -hmm. that that I'm like wait you know you got to finish one thing (laughs) before you can go to the next and with powerlifting you know sometimes the the energy is low Mm -hmm. you know things happen and strength is not linear at all Oh, no, it's not, child. <laughs> so being patient with yourself on those days when you're going to the gym and things are not moving how they moved last week or they not right. moving how they moved three days ago. Whew. Going through that right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. I might have to make that my word, too, patience, because, ooh, child. Um, what is the blackest thing you have ever done? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that you can share (laughs) with our audience (laughs) oh man just blackity black eating the fried chicken wings on the way home (laughs) in the car just doesn't everybody do that though i don't know (laughs) you think so sis i don't know but here's an ooh, and that brings up a good point here's a controversial question for you drums or flats drums a flat could never <laughs> see i just don't know where i fall on, on that on that on the fence with this because some days it's drums and some days it's flat the flats just... don't even go into the sauce you can't even dip the flats in the sauce <laughs> but it's okay it, it, there that is true but there's just something the flats don't even have the same amount of meat Man, you know, people are like, I mean, they are in one camp or the other. They do not play. <laughs> and then the restaurants had the audacity to charge you 50 cent extra for one or the other. Man, give me all drums for free. <laughs> I'm blessing with you. <laughs> so any potential booze out there, don't come to her house with no talking about, I brought you some wings and you and bring her some flats. Because you're not going to make it through the front door. Nope. You can leave my side though, because I'm still gonna be hungry. <laughs> now that's black. Um, so my final final question for you is: What advice or words of encouragement would you give to? Let's see. Let's pick a couple of good ages. Would you give to uh, Erica of now? What advice would she give to thirteen year old Erica and? 18-year-old Erica. 13-year-old Erica, I would tell her to, you know, love yourself. Mm -hmm. To do your best. To believe in yourself. Because better is coming. 
Mm-hmm. Better is coming. It. And then 18-year-old me, I would tell myself, don't be a fool. Don't be mm. a dummy. <laughs> don't Ooh, be child. a dummy. I did a lot. Of, when I was 18, I, I I did a lot of silly things, you know. Mm-hmm. Not that mm-hmm. I regret them because I learned the lesson. Right. But, you know, don't be a dummy. Mm. I feel like a, mm-hmm. a lot of me at 18 was, and also to be myself. Yeah. Because that's also an age where I really, you know, I left home and mm-hmm. I was on campus mm-hmm. and I was figuring out who I was. Right. And it was hard. Yeah. But better things are coming. Always. I love it. I love it. Oh, this has been so much fun. And I won't even, we're not even going to tell y'all how many times we've had to record this podcast oh. episode, but it's all good because there is a reason why. So that we could talk about some different things tonight. So I'm, I'm appreciative that I've had the opportunity to talk to you. And I, like I said, I, I, I see big, big things in your future, both in powerlifting and in helping people get their nutrition together. So I appreciate you sharing your information. Thank with you, us. Brie. Are you going to Raw Nationals this year? From your mouth to God's ears, sis. We'll see. <laughs> um, so before we get out of here, though, I just wanted to know a couple of things. Where can people find you on the Internet? You can find me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I don't do too much of Twitter or anything else. Okay. Instagram at dat, D-A-T, mm-hmm. S-K-R-O-N-G <laughs> underscore mm-hmm. R-D. That is my it. personal page. And if you mm-hmm. want my business page, it is dynamic mm-hmm. dot nutrition s-o-f-l-o so that's dynamic dot nutrition south florida mm-hmm. south florida okay um and do you have a website for your um coaching business or is all that information on your we are in the um, making so basically okay. right now you can if you if you do want coaching you can dm me on my personal page or my business okay. page and i will definitely okay. get back to you and my email is also on my business page you have access to that too Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, this has been so much fun, Erica. And like I said, now that you've been on the podcast, you are no longer a guest, you are family. So whenever you want to come back and talk about your, you know, booming coaching business, you know, anything having to do with nutrition, whatever, you just call me and say, I got some stuff to say, and we will get it together. I definitely will be back. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you guys again for listening. Um, You know, I really appreciate you taking the time to offer feedback and leave comments. You can always leave a comment or a rating on the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, I think that's it. But, um, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, please find us there. Um, You can find us on our Instagram page, um, the Chocolate Chocolate Bar Podcast. We are at actually on Twitter at Chalk Bar Podcast and on Facebook. You can find that from the Instagram page. And we have a website, www.thechocolatebarpodcast.com. Sometimes there's merch on there, sometimes not. Just depends on how busy I am. Anyway, love you guys. Thank you again for listening. We will see you at the bar. Bye-bye.